Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I know. That was mine. Dishes, it's Mel and Trish. Welcome to another episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and don't give a 50, like us. We would love you to continue to spread the word about our podcast. Let your fellow 50-ishers know we exist and encourage them to subscribe. The reason we ask is it helps us to grow our numbers, which is currency in podcast land. To be completely transparent, this helps us get on the radar as an option for potential sponsors and advertisers, which will enable us to continue to share and champion our message that midlife life women are awesome. We have so much to offer and so much living to do. As Instagrammer Radruna kindly posted, you guys crack me up. You always guarantee a good belly laugh. And let's face it, what's living without a good laugh from time to time? Damn straight. So we've got a very special episode for you today. We are chatting to two 40-ishers, hosts of the super successful podcast 40, Lise Carlaw and Sarah Wills. The girls launched their podcast in 2020, the year they turned 40, and it's premised on celebrating the life lessons and stories of popular and everyday women. And we love that. Absolutely. A lot of our 50-ish tribe may already know and listen to these two beauties. But for those of you who don't, here's a very very brief rundown of who they are. Lise and Sarah blasted onto the Australian media scene in 2017 and their extraordinary friendship, connection and chemistry landed the girls' local and national radio shows from which the girls' brand and company, Those Two Girls, was born. Most recently, Lise and Sarah have written and launched their first book, 40 Favours the Brave. It's a book of musings, advice and real-life stories on the highs, lows and unexpected delight of life in your 40s. Welcome to Don't Give a Fifth. Lise and Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. What an intro. (laughs) We had to keep you so successful, we had to really keep it tight. That I um, I (laughs) anguished over that for for about 24 hours, you two. 
<laughs> How to encapsulate what you've done just in a, you know, in a few lines. It's tough. Yeah. And we purposely kept the intro brief as we thought it would be more interesting for you to tell your story. We love to deep dive into people's backstories, how it all started, the transitioning, reinventing, finding new purpose and passions in life. You know, how we go from what we feel like we should do or have to do to what we really want to do. We know firsthand you are both excellent storytellers. Mel and I enjoy listening to your podcast. And for those who may not know your backstory, we'd love you to share where it all started. I love that the how you met, the career milestones that have led from then to now. Just a short one to mm. kick off. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's like retelling a love story. It's a bit, you know, if those people listening who might be married or what have you and people say, how did you meet? It's exactly like that. Sarah and I met in our mid-30s. We, at the time, were both pregnant with our second children. We were both on a bit of a hiatus from work, maternity leave, what have you. And truth be told, we were a little bit bored at home and we started writing online, really. I mean, back in the day where Facebook was the beginning and the end of everything. We were just sort of writing all kinds of different things. I started following Sarah. I do believe you started following me, Sarah. (laughs) Mutual love. um, Mutual love. I actually thought Sarah lived in Melbourne for some reason, that she was in in another city to me. Turns out she lived a kilometre down the road and the commonalities were ridiculous. We were both born in the same year, married in the same year. Our mothers-in-law both are called Anne without an E. Um, what same else, Same fertility Sarah? issues, same fertility doctor, um, same unrequited dreams of our 20s, really. <laughs> so, And we should have met on several occasions in our 20s, but it was kind of sliding doors moments they passed us by. And I don't, I think we were meant to meet when we did. And I think we were meant to form as a female duo when we did because the timing was right and society was open to more of that, I suppose. So we actually met in person when our second children were four months old and Lise came over to my house and I think we spent five hours together. We just couldn't stop talking. And within three months, we decided to try our hand at emceeing local events in Brisbane and, and yeah, it was gutsy. When I look mm. back on it, I think, who were we? But as you girls know, there's a bravery in two. There really is. We're, I would say the same as you. You're both completely capable of holding conversations and interviewing people and putting yourself out there. But there's something that makes it there's a, some extra bravado when you've got a mate by your side and you know yeah, you can't let fail. them down. It's more fun and it just, yeah, it gives you that bit more motivation. I think it's riding the lows together as well. It's easy to ride highs with your buddy, but, you know, if you're bit of, on a bit of a downer, yeah. like we yeah. um, we prop oh, each other yeah. up. Yeah. Well, when we and when we started and then those MC gigs started rolling in and then we started putting on our own events for women and then we got tapped on the shoulder to go into radio like the trajectory was just almost vertical it just Mm. happened so quickly but Lise and I have often said how much we would hate going into show business or media if it was just 
one person because straight away when you're a partnership, you've got someone you can bounce ideas off. You can be like, I really love that person. Their vibe seems great. This seems like a really good opportunity. Let's do it. Or gut instinct, no, that's not feeling right for either of us. So that's what I mean when I talk about the bravery of two is straight away you've got someone who is 100% on your team and vice versa. So I think that perhaps that's why we move so quickly because we both made decisions together instantly that affected each of us in exactly the same way. And we were at bang on exact same stages of life. Um, It's extraordinary, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Same as you two, right? You're at the exact same time of life. So there is so much shared commonality, shared time you can devote to things. So I think it all worked in our favour. Do you think even though that you had a lot of that commonality, as you mentioned, that that you both bring different things to the table? Like, for for example, I know that Trisha's got a very creative mind and, and I... Well, I'm not as I creative think as she the is. the odd so, couple. You yeah, know, I like yeah. to think so, that Melinda's kind of, you know, a little bit tighter and got not, that's not the right word. <laughs> Sense, sensible. <laughs> Maybe no, a little but, bit more sensible, whereas I roll a little bit. But uh, do you have yeah. the, do you bring the same things to the partnership or do you bring very different things or is there a bit of both? I think that was one of the reasons we decided that it, this was more than a friendship straight away because it's a really big decision to commercialise a friendship. It, it almost feels counterintuitive in a way to decide to make money off of your chemistry. Some people might run away from that, but for us, because we had a very, a very like Liam Neeson, a very particular <laughs> set of skills, and um, they were incredibly complementary. So we'd both done journalism, so we both had strong communication skills. I would say we both bring that to the table. We'd both been in, I'm gonna, like the performing arts yeah. would be would be a roundabout way of saying we'd both been in that entertainment space in one way, shape or form. Sarah had done theatre at a high level. I am not by any means an actress, but um, I had worked in fashion for a really long time, which is performative in its own way. And I think we just both had a bit of a creative brain, but also a strategic brain in terms of PR and public, how to do all of that. We had a really good grasp of all of those things. So in answer to the question, yes, complementary skills and we still bring different... Yeah, we're not. Do we bring different things? Yeah. Yeah, we're not. We're similar at the base values, but, you know, Lee's is such a woman of action. I can be a bit of a procrastinator, if I'm honest, whereas Lee's will action something within two seconds of saying it needs to be done. I'll be like, do you think we should send that email? Oh, it's gone. gone." Everyone needs (laughs) Lee's in their life. Yeah, that's right. So she is fantastic at at that. And I think we're excellent at egging each other on. In those moments where one of us may feel frustrated about something, we have a game we we play called Devil's Advocate where the other person plays Devil's Advocate and presents all the stories and then kind of lifts the other person out of it temporarily. And I think even when when there's doubt, I mean, frustration mm. exists in any job, in any industry, but there are also moments of self-doubt and that can be because of something that might be happening at home or at work or hormonally. And sometimes one of us comes to work a little bit flatter. And I think that's what's so wonderful in a partnership is that we know how to read one another so well 
when one needs a pep talk or one needs space, we're able to respect that yeah. and deliver. One of us can tap dance a little bit harder while That's the other right. one catches up. <laughs> that is so true. Mel and I have been experiencing a lot of that lately and I am so grateful for that. And also so thankful when I can do that for her as well. It's a really lovely feeling. So I really, you know, your trajectory, as you said, was quite vertical and very, very, you felt that it it took off quite fast. What have been some of the most memorable and potentially unexpected pinch me moments that have happened along the way? I think the first big one, because I remember it, I'll never forget it. I was walking along the river Uh, just morning exercise, doing a bit of a power walk, of course, on the phone to Sarah because Mm -hmm. we always do that most of the time, whether we're in the car or anything, we're still talking even though we sit beside one another in a studio every (laughs) single day. Um, And I heard a ping. The email came up and it was an email from Mia Friedman. Oh, Uh, yeah. And we had no idea that we were even on her radar And I think it said, hello, two girls, or hello, something like that. Hello, those two. Hello, those two, or something something like that, a play on our our sort of. She's got a very quirky writing style, hasn't she? I love Correct, correct. And she said, you know, and she kept it really short, really brief, and she said, I think she wanted us, wanted to meet us in Sydney or Mm. something like that, let's have a phone conversation. And I think it, uh, you know, we from that came opportunities with Mia, but I think it was that understanding understanding that people outside of our immediate circle were, were listening paying attention yeah. and thinking you are awesome yeah on, correct that was that was the first big moment yeah i think the other one was when we probably did our first early breakfast radio show which was a national live show every morning across mm-hmm. australia from 5 to 6 a.m. and i just remember we were turning on the microphones and looking at each other, thinking like, how did we get here? Like we only met two years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. How did we get here? It is yeah. just that so power I think that of was momentum. A me moment. Yep. And then when we were on stage with Sarah Jessica Parker, mm-hmm. another moment, just remember looking in her blue eyes. I kind of sometimes, this is a terrible thing about me. In fact, when you ask about what we bring to the party, this is <laughs> something that I'm particularly useless at. Sometimes I will have these moments in the moment when I shouldn't, I should reflect on it afterwards, but all of a sudden I will just have this feeling of overwhelm and pride and excitement will hit me and I can't kind of function until it passes. It'll be like there's an internal monologue happening like with Sarah Jessica Parker and I just remember looking in her glittery eyes thinking, wow, she just looks exactly like her. I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're on 2,000 people. I can't. How did... How did this happen? Lise will pick up on it immediately. She will sense it and then she will take over until she knows I've recovered sufficiently enough to go because on. Because these moments of Sarah having these internal monologues will happen regardless of the environment she finds herself. So this was the Sydney Convention Centre yeah. with 2,000 people staring at us on stage <laughs> in front of SJP herself and oh Sarah goes straight into just off with the fairies. Just a lump, a lump on stage. (laughs) No, it's very endearing. It's very endearing. And perhaps if anything, that's possibly what we bring to um, the entertainment or the media landscape is that we're not 
we're not the newsreader types or we're not the perfectly polished, it will execute everything. We are just everyone else there in the room feeling equally, equally in awe that we're doing yeah. this. And I think that maybe that's what other people they see themselves in us and we're all having this collective experience. It's not we're on stage, therefore we're special. No, it's like, how the hell are we here? Yeah. So we're con- conveying that in our emotions. I think it's a lovely. I think it's it a, a shared vulnerab- vulnerability, you know. I think that that's the thing, that all women are gravitating towards more now, I think, is that being vulnerable and leaning towards people who are vulnerable because it's makes you feel okay. But getting back to that as well, Lise, it's what, um, you know, what Sarah was saying earlier about, um, you know, the, the bravery of two. So when she goes into her internal monologue, you're there to just keep the whole show going. Yeah, I just think it's a gift. I think um, female friendships are, I mean, a lot of women that you talk to will say it's almost their primary relationship relationships if you're I mean don't get me wrong I adore my husband I I love doing life beside him yada 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 but at the end but of you the can't day expect your we all need the girls to be everything. they're not meant to fulfill correct. every need in your life and I would be correct I mean sometimes if I just think of something happening to Lee's I'll start yeah. I can't, I can't I can't even handle the thought of Lee's not being in my life. No, we can't go. We get we we refuse to go there. That's right. But I do think that the more women come to terms with that early in their womanhood, that your significant other, whomever they may be, that's fine. But it's actually your your female friendships that will walk you through all the different chapters of your life and they'll only be one or two or three if you're really lucky yeah so I was so annoyed today because I got a call from my husband Wills we were just about to start recording our podcast and he said oh I left the key in the front door and now I can't get into the house and I'm really sorry and I was like fine I'll come home and let you in with the garage door opener because once you've got an internal key in you can't put an outside key in anyway Anyway, so I was peeved and Lee's just goes, you road trip. So <laughs> she jumped in the Honda downstairs, took off to my <laughs> suburb. Wills was sitting out the front uh, on the patio with the groceries and I think Lee's wound down the window and was like, what are you doing, you twit? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very, we do joke about each other being a female elderly companions when we're older we're so enmeshed in each other's lives yeah. um yeah it's crazy and Not how nice to be able to, to uh, break that internal monologue of you know kind of snowballing it rather than to just you know break it down and make it a bit of fun yeah oh absolutely girls I read somewhere um that you got to the stage leading up to turning 40 um where you were starting to feel um or get this sense of feeling invisible and this is sort of a key driving force uh behind the start of our podcast and um and it's become one of our key content pillars as well and as younger women I'm interested um to know how you came to feel this way oh because we were told that's what happens in all honesty I have heard from older women in my life, much probably baby boomer age, older than you girls, about how, you know, in your 40s, that's when this sort of descent to invisibility happens, that heads no longer turn when you walk in the room, shop assistants don't really ask you if you need help and you're like, oh my God, do I, do we just become these kind of see-through old crones where nobody feels like we <laughs> yeah. are worthy uh, of At times, time? absolutely. 
Yeah. So it's not something yeah, you not actually right, okay. it's not something you actually experience yourselves. It's more something that like stories that were told to you from older women. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's absolutely we had because an experience. I don't feel invisible. It. No, but it was the it, it we fell hook line and sinker for the trope of the older, irrelevant, mm, you're kind of past it. You're not that, you know, not you're not that interesting anymore. Maybe your opportunities are going to start to uh, shrivel up. And like, so we I think I can certainly I won't speak for Sarah, but I certainly felt a panic set in. So nothing had happened to me directly to make me feel that way. I just thought, here we go, here we go. It's impending any moment now. And I panicked. I panicked uh, from a vanity perspective. I thought, this is it. I'm going to turn 40. And then that's what I'm going to implode. I don't know what's going to happen, but it ain't going to be good. Um, I, I panicked about just what it meant for me as a woman and what we know to be true after writing the book, after two years nearly of doing this podcast is that from all the women we've interviewed, celebrities, regular women, the opposite is true. So now two years on, I feel very, very differently. But on the cusp of entering my 40s, I was scared. And we've taken to following a lot of women older than us Mm -hmm. on social media. And one of them who we continue to just be in awe of with her vulnerability and openness is supermodel Paulina Porozkova. Yes. And she wrote a post about the first time she felt invisible. Now, remembering this was a woman who was on the cover of every magazine in the Western, probably the, probably the entire world. I would say the Eastern, mm. <laughs> Eastern world as well. And how she said the moment she walked into a room and realised that she could no longer feel that kind of imperceptible shift that would happen when she walked in, where men would stand up a little bit straighter. Because that would have been her currency. Right, right, which is the thing that you have to come to terms with. If your currency in youth or if one of them has been the fact that you were pretty and you don't necessarily have that youthful prettiness anymore, then you've got to get on the page of saying, goodbye to those heads turning, which is what she spoke shifting to a new currency. And what we say so passionately and what the two of you mirror as well is that what we as more mature, more experienced, wizened women have compared to the young 20-year-old full of collagen, beautiful, young, fresh things. What we have is confidence and gumption in spades. We have stories to tell. We have advice. We have real life experience that we can sit someone down and say, you know what happened to me? Let me tell you a story. And the best thing is everyone we know over 50 Mm. says to us, you just wait until you're over 50 because however you're feeling now at 40, it just gets bigger and better and you just give fewer cares. Mm -hmm. And I think that is exciting because when you've spent your 20s and 30s caring an awful lot about how you appear in the world, who you need to impress, what you need to be, then there is a real freedom in that. It's like a wet dog, you know, when they come out of water and they're just shaking themselves madly. That's the water of like cares flying off you everywhere. So do you find that as 50 something? Yeah. When I turned 40, I was very much 
kind of almost panicked as in, okay, what do I want to do? What haven't I done that I really want to do? And it was all about mm-hmm. making sure that I made the most of that generation to to do things. And then when you turn 50, it's kind of like, oh, my God, this is, I can do this if I want to. I can do that if I want to. But if I don't want to, don't, don't think I'll bother with that. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm 50. I don't care about that. If I want to go to there, I can go there. It's just this whole sense of self and, um, you know, you still get in your own head. <clears throat> Excuse me. You still get in your own head at times, but it's more of a sense of, I don't have to do that if I don't want to. I don't have to be someone I don't want to to impress anyone else to make me feel good. This is who I am. But that rhetoric, that narrative is really coming to the fore now through podcasts like your own, like podcasts like ours, because I wish that that was the message that I'd held on to rather than you're going to become invisible, which was really kind of all that was around when I was approaching the end of my 30s. So I feel that we're not going about changing the world here. We're just having conversations with other people, with other women about this decade. And in doing so, yeah, in doing so, you're opening other people's minds and 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 hearts up to the possibility that there's a whole other way to be and to think and not to panic. Yeah. So this brings me to my next question. Sorry, Mel, I'm cutting you off. Um, <laughs> I had a really, really good point. <laughs> well, you go. You go. Oh, wait. Hurry up. If it's that good, let's no, hear no, it. I've forgotten now. <laughs> So soon after Mel and I launched our podcast, you sent us a message congratulating us and wishing us all the best. For us, that message was from like legit successful podcasters encouraging the new kids on the block. It was just so awesome. We loved it. And we just love when women go out of their way to support other women, which is what we're trying to champion on the podcast as well which is kind of a long-winded way to lead me into a double whammy question. Do you believe that women are becoming more supportive of each other, less judgmental, less competitive than in previous generations? Is it because of our ageing and the wisdom we get with age or is it because society as a whole is becoming more accepting and more encouraging and less judgmental? I think once you lose that scarcity mentality and you realise that there is enough for everyone. So we genuinely did because a few people had messaged us and said, have you seen there's a podcast Mm. out for 50-something women as if we should be possibly miffed about that? And we said, well, that's bloody great because what we're all trying to do here is open up the conversation. And we don't own (laughs) the middle (laughs) years. We absolutely don't. So all the bloody best to these two other mates who want to have a chat about the issues that they're finding in their decade and talk to like-minded women. And Lise and I made a conscious decision many years ago that we would always open the doors, whether it was for young producers, interns, other women around us, because to be honest, we have felt on the outer Mm. at times in our career. We were late bloomers coming into the media industry. It is a very cloistered, well, industry, I've said industry twice, but it is. I mean, people can wee on their patch and not want to let anybody else in on it. And that really annoyed Lise and I 
because uh, we thought, well, that's not how we operate. It's not how we ever will operate because there is enough for everybody. Well, there's only one also- Lee's and Sarah in the world, right? It's like there's only one Mel and Trish. Yeah. So it, yeah. everybody always brings, like the, the duos and the couplings always bring something very, very different. That's right. But I also think, I do believe that younger generations are becoming a little bit more kinder. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. But I, I think it's also important to note that, I, of course, by default, we will always look to support other women who you know, we we love what they're doing, we like their values, we think what their their product is great, what have you. But just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have to agree and like and and support every other woman yeah. as well. Like that's we would never go out of our way. But I think it's also sometimes a disservice when as women we're then meant to nurture and love and encourage it everyone else. If that that's not really how it works yeah. either. So um, but we're so happy. I'm, I'm really happy you felt that way because Lisa and I had a similar moment years ago when we were at a radio event and we had presented on the rooftop uh, of Two Day FM. Mm-hmm. And Sydney. after we di- we had done that, Andy Lee came up to both of us in the crowd and said, hey, girls, I'm Andy. I just want to say I really enjoyed what you did up there. All the best. You're sounding really great. And it was something that was he didn't have to do that. Gracious. But he did. And for Lee's and me, we were like, that is so kind yes. and so generous. And that's why Hamish and Andy are Hamish and Andy, because by all accounts, everyone you speak to say they are exactly how they are on screen, on air, as they are off air. And you've you've got to be like that. Like mm. you can't, you shouldn't, you can't not be true. They haven't weed on their patch yeah. As yeah. you were saying before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting a visual of my blue paddle dog at the moment. <laughs> so, girls, we're very conscious of your time and we want to talk about your latest endeavour, your brilliant book, 40 Favours the Brave. I must say I absolutely adore the endorse, endorsement from the amazing, renowned Australian author Sally Hepworth. Sally writes, the book is like a weekend away with your best girlfriends. We'd love you to share why the book evokes that feeling and what your desires for the reader's experience with your book to be. That comment from Sally was, I think we breathed a collective sigh of relief because when we were approached to write the book, obviously off the back of the success of the podcast, Sarah and I both thought this will be a piece of cake. We'll just get the transcripts from the podcast and we'll turn it into a book. Like we have nothing to say. We we haven't lived these extraordinary lives with any, you know, trauma or anything huge happening to us. So we'll just retell the stories of the people we interviewed. And of course, the publishers had very different ideas. And then we had a, a slight moment of panic thinking, well, what on earth could we possibly share that other people will enjoy reading and as the feedback comes through we're into week three of release I think Mm -hmm. I just can't quite believe that what we set out to do which was really at the end of the day connect connect women in a shared experience we can only ever write about what we know and what we know 
are the lives that we lead currently and maybe the thoughts and and patterns that we've carried into our 40s and that we're revisiting with a bit more wisdom. The book is funny, it's sad in parts, and it's a real mix of personal stories with uh, stories of very well-known Australian women. Um, And everyday women who are mm. our friends, our own girlfriends, because our very premise is every woman has a story to tell by the time she's 40 and that this fifth decade is an absolute roller coaster where sometimes the wheels start falling off and a whole lot of stuff changes, perhaps more than any other decade prior in here. I feel like 20s and 30s, everyone's from a female perspective, the vast majority would be in the same the same racetrack of uni, traveling overseas, meeting someone, settling down, having kids, setting out a career and so forth and so forth. It's more of the same. Whereas 40s, I reckon that really mixes things up. And so what Lise and I were able to share from our personal reflections is then juxtaposed with those of our friends, you know, women who maybe had their first baby at 40, to women who had children leaving home at 40, to, um, you know, Lisa's friend who left her alcoholic husband and planned it for six months in the making, to another friend Lee's met at Pilates mm-hmm. who discovered her husband was asexual and ended up dating in and was never expecting that to happen to all these revelations that happen in this decade and then other parts of the book are very sort of day-to-day how do you feel when you look in the mirror what do you wish you knew before turning 40 I mean it's just there's something in there we believe we hope that when people pick up that book and you can dip in dip out it's not a chapter book that they will go, aha, I relate to that. Or that didn't happen to me, but it happened to my mate Beck. You know? It's, yes. Well, this is happening scared. to me. I'm not alone. It's not crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You've, yep. You've sort of answered my next question, um, which was I'm wondering how you actually got started. Was it with the transcripts? Because I, I have a degree in creative writing and the thought of writing mm-hmm. a book is completely daunting. And we did work on it at uni. You know, we'd write chapter by chapter. I think I got up to chapter three of my my I'm flat out writing a paragraph yeah. anyway. <laughs> but um, so did you start with the transcripts and then work out from there? Was there a plan know, that you set out or a process? We started the transcripts ident- were the last Yeah. Bit. We started identifying themes from our podcast guests that we knew were big themes for women in this decade. So that was, I think, the starting point of, well, we definitely need to talk about this, this, this and this. And how we were feeling at 39. Yes. Because we thought if that's how we're feeling, that's how a lot of other women are going to be feeling. Let's start there. And it's funny, once we started writing, Mm. it all started flowing. flowing. Mm. In saying that, there was a frenzy of activity for sort of two two months where Lee's had us both, i.e. me, on a very strict word count delivery every week to make sure. As I, I said, we got the car. Everyone um, needs a Lee's in their lives. Everyone needs a Lee's, hashtag. Um, <laughs> and then once we had pulled out the themes, we'd written our pieces that we felt were strong enough to include in the book. Then we went out to our friends and said, hey, you've got this really interesting story. Would you? Would we be able to interview you and 
write was, your version there and then we kind of went back to the celebrity interviews that we'd done and, and peppered pulled, them throughout pulled their wisdom and anecdotes and advice asked their permission and you know everyone has been so um approving of that you know we do have quotes in there from people like Sally Obermita, Mia Friedman, uh, Norelda Jacobs, um, Julie Goodwin I mean it's just I feel like it may have been written by Lee's and me, but there are the voices of probably so 80 many. women. So in that's there. why it feels like a weekend away with girlfriends because there are so many stories and voices and in there. And I love that the stories are also honest and vulnerable. You know, I think that ladies are just putting it all out there and telling the truth. You know, it's not that Stepford Wives kind of everyone's pretending that life's oh, perfect no. and everything's going well for them. No, yeah, no, no, we're no. really sharing, <laughs> we're really sharing the really... nitty gritty now. Yeah. yeah, I said that to Lise this morning, actually, when we were in the car coming back from getting wheels back into the house. Um, and I'd, I'd listened back to our episode of 40, which um, we released today with a country music singer called Natalie Henry, who goes into detail about how she left her husband and three children because she met a woman and fell in love with her and became late lesbian. Well, she didn't leave her children. She left left her her husband. Left left her marriage, marriage, sorry. And I said to Lisa, I just can't quite believe how willing women are whom we've often only met for the first time on the Zoom interview are to outline and reveal those innermost private moments, how they navigated it. Mm. But I think that's exactly what you're saying is that there is this um, enthusiasm for women to share their stories of their middle years and in doing so help the younger generations or those in it who are navigating similar issues to face them. And I think there's also a new wave of you know, for a while there, there was a lot of talk, a lot of buzzwords like empowerment and journey and live your truth, all of which are fine and perfect, yeah. perfectly perfectly fair and valid points, but they do become a little bit white noise-ish and a little bit cringy at times, if we're honest. And I think what I'm so proud of in the book is I feel like it's a new level of woman sharing her story. Those terms are left by the wayside and we're really drilling down to the minutiae, just the beautiful minutiae of Mm. life 40 plus. We don't need to be empowering all the time. You can easily say that the thing that you delight in at 42 years of age is being in your pyjamas by 4.30pm. That's perfectly fine. I don't need to be on a journey to anywhere. Like, mm. you know, sometimes it's just about being really truthful and honest and and plain Jane about this time in our lives. That's also wonderful to read and listen to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, it does definitely make up quite a portion of my life, <laughs> the plain Janeness and all that stuff, because that's just real, isn't it? That's life. I did have a giggle reading this section of the book, 40 Things I Wish I Knew Before I Turned 40, that never trust a bloke with a shark tooth necklace. <laughs> so I've, I'm so intrigued. Seriously? You've got me. You've got I, would me never, tr- I would never trust someone with a shark tooth necklace. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you need explanation. I just think, oh no, ew, creepy, ew, ew. <laughs> Well, I got that yeah. vibe. Unless you're under the age of fifteen, like they're always dodgy buggers. They just are. <laughs> <laughs> 
there is no actual story to that other than other than when Sarah and I first met, one of the pillars of our friendship was the fact that we both hated shark tooth necklaces and okay. then with blonde teeth. <laughs> and um, that's so superficial. And if that makes us bad people, so be yeah. it. But you can imagine my horror when my 12 and a half year old son came home from, <laughs> from a holiday with a mate's family in Noosa and came home with a shark tooth necklace and I said, no son of mine. <laughs> Sorry. I agree. Yeah, you're like, settle down, Albie Mangles. He didn't have his hair braided, did he, as well? <laughs> <laughs> so we no. have a girlfriend, Simone, who when we were single back in the 80s, we used to go oh, the out 90s. and have quite, The oh, 90s, Doss. Okay, 90s, sorry. Yep. You remember her rule? She would yeah. never go home with anyone. She had to check their belt, their <laughs> shoes and their watch. And if either one of those three things were dodgy, no, don't go. <laughs> Do not, not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. The um one thing I really loved about your book is that sense of fun, but also that sense of you know vulnerability and and sharing heartfelt stories. And you know, as we were saying, that women are telling a lot more stories, and I think that we are sharing more stories than our mothers did. And I love that you two included your mothers in the book and that you interviewed them. How did you come around thinking, hang on, these aren't just women, these aren't just our mothers, these are women with stories, like they lived as women, they just didn't live for the purpose of being our mother because <laughs> we yeah. all know how that feels. <laughs> well, and I think, I think the older you get, the more you realise how little you knew when you were young. And we all had that self-confidence of... I know how the world works, but perhaps in this decade, you start to realise there are so many shades of grey and the people who really know what's going on are those who've gone before you and who better to ask than our mothers. And so they were both very receptive to be interviewed. And I think the fact is their 40s was so different to our generation of being in our 40s. And I would say the same for you in your 50s, ladies, because, you know, when I chatted with my mother, my mother has never had a facial. The thought of self-care is self-indulgent. There were only a few chosen careers. You were a teacher, you were a nurse, you were a secretary. That was pretty, pretty much what was on the Mm -hmm. table for most middle-class women. You did everything as a family unit, there was no going off for girls' weekends. No. And, you know, my mum had said to me her generation fought for hours to be able to do anything, but what we ended up doing was everything. So I feel for us, we're now sitting back and deciding what we want to take off the table because we're all so knackered with juggling work and possibly kids if you've gone down that path and trying to stay fit and healthy and and have hobbies, yada, 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 that um, you just end up, well, I certainly did when I was 39, just feeling completely overwhelmed and a bit burnt out and that's when you want to make changes. So asking the women who've been there, bought the postcard and know you better than any other person in the world is only natural for your mother. And Lisa's and, interview with her mother is still my favourite piece in the book. I love it so much. Nice. I, I think even at its core, the reason why we wanted our mums in the book is 
it's a wonderful way to connect with older people and I think we all live such a busy, pacey life that you sometimes forget to slow down and turn outwards and ask other people. And I personally felt a huge sense of guilt that my career revolves around interviewing older women and yet I'd never given my own mother the courtesy of the same treatment to show and a, a, a genuine, heartfelt interest in who she was as a woman, removing the mother label and really asking questions. In my piece, I ask mum 38 questions and asking things like, <laughs> oh, I forget, what did I ask her? But, you know, how did you... How did you feel when you were 40? And her answer, I think, was I I felt beautiful and I felt sexier than ever. I don't think I'd ever heard that word come out of my mother's mouth. And then when you drill down into that is quite a different experience. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel beautiful and I feel sexy because I've, I, I'm talking to all these fascinating women who are saying you're in the prime of your life now. Forget this 2030 business. This is it. But to ask mum why why did you feel that way or how, who made you feel that way? How did you come to thinking that about yourself is so interesting. And also what it does is opens the book up to older women, not just yeah. 40 something year old women. It means that we've had women in their 60s say to us, oh gosh, reading it is a real discovery of my own daughter mm. or my younger colleague. Wisdom in there. I think I love, Lise, how your mum said you must invest in your relationship because when the children leave home, mm. you're all you have. And I thought I'd never thought of it that way because yeah. it's so easy. I mean, Lise and I are still in the young children phase of life. Our youngest are eight and our eldest, are, it sounds like we've had them together. <laughs> Lise's eldest is 12, nearly 13 and mine is 11. So we're still in those twilight yeah, parenting years. And so it's easy to take your spouse for granted and just not spend that time when all your energy is dedicated towards the children. But then so what happens thing, at the other end? That's right. Things yeah. like that. Like you've got to make sure you've got that commonality and those shared experiences between the two of you. I mean, I know it's common sense, but when you see it written in black and white from a 66-year-old woman, you're like, that's and right. Yeah. such a beautiful right. thing yeah. for you to have forever and for your family to have forever. I know that my mother-in-law oh, yeah. actually interviewed her mother-in-law on cassette tape back in Allara and um, this was probably about 20 years ago and I know that that is a very cherished family heirloom, that tape. So it's beautiful and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with my mum. Yeah, I think it's a good idea actually. So Lise and Sarah, we have a wrap-up question we ask all our guests and that is that if you could go back in time, what would the 40-ish Lise and Sarah tell the 20-ish Lise and Sarah? Start with you, Lise. Oh, I'm going to say in the words of Wilson Wilson Phillips, hold on, hold on. The good, the good part is coming. Don't panic. Don't worry. Yeah, that's what I'd say. I would say stop wasting your time. Oh, my gosh, I read that in the book. You will lose. <sighs> yep, you will lose a collective time of weeks or months 
exercising, watching what you eat in a desperate bid to change your genetics and it will never work. Just enjoy the strong, healthy, functioning body that you have. Your thighs will always touch, baby girl. But that's baby one of the girl. reasons that we called the podcast <laughs> Don't Give a 50 because Trish and I now don't uh, give a 50 about those sorts of things. Well, the we very still things have, that we, we used still to. have our moments, but we don't oh, yeah. dwell on them as much. Certainly not thigh gap. Oh, I certainly <laughs> have. Well, this, no. <laughs> never had one. I've, never said, will. I've said goodbye to that, well and truly. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, yeah. we can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on our podcast. It's been rather intimidating mm. in the lead up for us to have real, legit, successful podcasters on. On our up and coming potty. Bit nervous. We still feel (laughs) (laughs) we still feel like the newbies stumbling our way and um, often get a bit of the imposter syndrome. But um, I must say, when we got to meet you in person at Nikki's Styling You, the label pop-up store, that we were felt very much at ease because you were so warm and friendly. So it certainly helped meeting you in person. I do, I did have a little bit of post great timing. Yeah, I probably look like a right cow because I wasn't wearing my glasses again. And I squint at people across the room and I said, What's Trish? Might I give a, is that, is that them? And then, yeah, Lee's got Nikki and she's like, Are Mel and Trish here? Sarah can't see properly. Thinking I've had anxiety because yeah, yeah, I'm like, good. I can't believe I said cock and balls to them. Like, yeah, who that does was that? that on the, Trish who always does that has, on the first meeting. <laughs> Trish always has anxiety about those things. <laughs> We've heard it all. You can say anything to us. Rambling, classic Trish oversharing. So yeah, (laughs) thank you so much. No, we've loved we've loved chatting to you, and um, thank you for giving us. Yeah, and congratulations for all you're doing. It's great. Like more, more, more. Can someone start a sixty podcast? Because my (laughs) mum is threatening to. That'll probably be us. (laughs) So we wish you every success with your book, and that your amazing those two girls empire continues to soar and grow. It will. And we support Thank you, you for uh, inspiring us and so many other women out there. So yeah. well done, ladies. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Thank you. Thank you both. That's it from us today. If you would like information on these two remarkable women, their podcast, their socials or their book, 40 Favours the Brave, we'll put links in our show notes for you. And don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at don'tgiver50 or email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. And remember our gorgeous 50-ishers, life is for living, don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and ageing is an absolute privilege. He didn't have his hair braided, did he, as well? (laughs) (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.